Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Worship team's all trying to protect me back there, saying I'm in trouble after saying that. Lori's been with me long enough. Thankfully, she's got lots of mercy. No, I celebrate her life today. I'm thankful for her. Thankful for everybody that helped um, make church happen today. People that were here early setting up, um, doing a lot of things behind the scenes, and uh, all the things that happened so that we can come together and we can worship and we can hear some of the truths from God's Word today. Hey, if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles this morning to the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Before we do that, let's all bow and let's pray together this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. And uh, Lord, we're reminded that things are not always as they seem. You see things so much differently than we do. And you designed a plan that's just so different from how we would probably have done things because we would have messed it all up if it was up to us. But Lord, in the midst of that is the most beautiful love story, the gift of your son, the forgiveness of our sins, and the salvation and hope that we have to have strength not only in this life to navigate our way through the valleys and through the glorious mountaintops. But Lord, we are reminded that you've prepared for us a place in heaven when we call upon your name. So Lord, I pray you bless the time we have together, and uh, we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to start out with a story here this morning. This took place, I'm going to say, probably 15 years ago. And... Uh, I was working at Comdoc Xerox, and I was working at a location in Cuyahoga Falls. And so I, I would tell you one of the passions that Lori and I have had at different points in our lives is we used to, we loved to bike. I, I don't get to do it very often anymore. It's a thing I hope I can really get back into, but we loved biking. And so if you are familiar with this, there is classes that you can take, and they're called spinning classes. Okay, so if you're not familiar with that, it's basically a stationary bike, and you sit on this bike in front of the classroom, and there's an instructor up front, and they're telling you to go faster, stand up, add resistance like you're going up a hill, um, do all these things, and it's actually, it is a phenomenal workout. It's awesome. So I was going to the YMCA there in the falls during my lunch break, and I was just going to work out on my own, get some exercise, try to shake off some of the stress of the work day and uh, not get too messy so that I could go back to work and not gross people out. So one day I'm at the locker and this guy beside me says, hey, you know, start talking to me. And I go, boy, you, so you dressed like you were, you were biking. And I said, it's cold out. And he goes, no, there's a spinning class upstairs that we do uh, once or twice a week here at the lunch hour. And I go, oh, I said, I love bike riding. I've been to a few spinning classes. I, I really enjoy that type exercise. And he goes, hey, you should, you should join us sometime. And I'm like, ah, all right, I, I might do that. The time fit for my lunch hour. And I bumped into him again, and he said something about it. So 
I decided, well, to, this time I'm going to go to a spinning class. So <laughs> I go upstairs to this YMCA in the falls. And if you've ever been there, it's, it's actually a beautiful um, facility. And on the top level is like a classroom. And it's all glass. And you look out over the street. So I walk in there. And I'm in pretty good shape at this point. And I'm expecting to get a good workout. And I walk into the classroom. And there's a few people there to bike. And the guy that's leading the class looks like he's a hundred. <laughs> and, and, I, and I paused and I sat down on a bike beside another guy who was probably his older brother. And I'm like, this is not going to be a good workout. And I'm like, I can't leave. It's awkward. The guy that invited me, he's, he's just upper middle aged, So he's there. And I'm like, well, I'll just go. So what I saw was somebody who probably, in my mind, could not give me the workout that I desired for my lunch. And I saw someone who I thought probably shouldn't be leading a spinning class. <laughs> All right. So we begin the class. And uh, this gentleman's name is Carl. Carl was so nice and kind. And we begin this class, and we're going through some exercise. And I'm like, hey, this isn't so bad. Getting, I'm starting to get my heart rate up, get some good exercise. So after 45 minutes of intense exercise, we start this crazy thing. And I am not going to try to act this out for you because what we're doing, people are watching this live and can watch it on video. I'm not going to let this become a meme where you can make fun of me. But at the, towards the end of class, there's this thing where you're standing up and you, you have the resistance as hard as it'll go and you're pedaling fast and then you do push-ups above the bar. And so Carl says, all right, we're going to go around the class. And he, he goes, I'm going to count out 15 push-ups. And he counts them out. And then the next guy beside me he goes, all right, it's your turn. And then he comes to Ben. And he goes, Ben, count out 15 push-ups. And he goes, Ben, I, I can't hear you. I'm going, I can't, I can't breathe. I can't talk. I can barely do this. So what I found out, contrary to what I saw, Contrary to the way I saw things, Carl was a senior Olympic silver medalist. And he was legit. And he literally put a workout on that just kicked my tail. Here's the beautiful part. Not only did I get a great workout, but I realized how wrong that things seemed to me and how I took them in. And I became friends with Carl. And Carl was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was a retired man and he loved me. And I went to his class, I went to his spinning class every chance I could. And I had a great workout. I ended up getting to go to a birthday party of his. Um, he passed me on some things where he actually taught teenagers at church years ago. It was just, it was, it was really rich. That was not how things seemed. It's not how it looked. And I was really wrong. So let's read today. Sometimes, not only back in the times when Jesus walked on this earth, but today, we look at Jesus, we look at the Bible, we look at the gospel, and maybe it doesn't necessarily go the way we think it should go. 
And the, play, the story doesn't play out that same way. So let's go back to the time when Jesus was on earth and he was in his ministry, full-blown ministry, and he's teaching and preaching. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing him, testing Jesus, asked that he would show a sign, show them a sign from heaven. All right, so a couple things here real quick. The Pharisees and Sadducees were, at that time, we hear that term a lot, but we don't often know what were the Pharisees, what were the Sadducees. They, they were actually, they were the religious leaders of the day. They were, they were who people would go to hear speak and teach, and they would try to learn from them. And unfortunately, even like some churches today, um, they, they never really found Jesus. And they lost their way. So the Pharisees were all about rules. They were all about works. They wanted you to follow the letter of the law to every aspect so that you could earn your salvation. So that you could work your way into heaven. That's not how God designed it. Sometimes, humanly speaking, how many times have you gone, well, I just feel like I should be doing something more. Or that can't be all there is to it. And so, that was the Pharisees. The Sadducees, they were a religious sect, and they only believed and followed the first five books of the Bible. And this part is really, <laughs> I think as Pastor John Stahl said this years ago, and I really loved it, they did not believe in life after death. So here's this group of religious leaders, and they believe that once you died, that's it. So I think Pastor John said, so you see, they missed eternal life, and so the Sadducees are sad, you see, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but you'll remember that a little bit. So, all right. Um, so there before Jesus, and he had just performed miracles. He'd done all kinds of things, miraculous, and people's lives were being changed, and there's a crowd, and they're all pressing in, and these religious leaders come, and they begin to almost test, trap, prompt the Lord to do things for themselves. And so they're asking for a sign. And you know, when I used to read this, it says, he asked that they would show, he would show them a sign from heaven. And I just thought, I kind of thought a sign from God. But that really wasn't it. They were literally asking for a sign for Jesus to perform something out of the skies. And so, you know, for the Sadducees, Moses had manna. God allowed Moses to call manna upon the earth to feed the Israelites. Elijah called fire down from heaven. And so here are, here's this group of people, and they're like, well, if you did it from heaven, well, then maybe that would make more sense, or we'd believe it more than just witnessing this person who is blind, but now they can see. They didn't really, they didn't really want a miracle that would cause them to believe. They just wanted to kind of see the excitement. What could he do? It's not gonna change the way we believe. It's not gonna change the way we feel, but we want a sign. So let's, let's read what Jesus said. He answered and said to them, when it is evening you say, I will be, I spilled water on my Bible, bear with me. When it is evening you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather, 
today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he simply left and departed. So how many of you are familiar with that saying? It's right here in scriptures, which is kind of interesting. And I remember growing up with it. You might have heard um, red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. And you know, this saying goes way back. So when Jesus was talking to them about this, you want a sign from the sky, they already knew this. And maybe back then it might have even been shepherds, shepherds at night, you know, red sky at night take delight, and red sky in the morning, take warning. So this is a true statement. You know, it's, it's not necessarily 100% accurate, but as a whole, you can get an idea what the weather is going to be like if you see these things. And so Jesus was saying to them, he goes, you want a sign from the sky, but yet right now, you could tell me as the sky was red this morning that maybe it's going to rain or storm later today. You already know that. You can look that. But you're missing the whole thing. You're missing it. And we're going we're gonna to talk some more about what he said here, but I want us to turn to the next text. So if you would, turn to the next scripture in Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. So the gospel passage that we read from Matthew is also, I believe, in Mark. And in Mark... All Mark said about what just happened when the Pharisees and Sadducees asked Jesus to show him, show them a sign from the sky. It says that Jesus just took a deep sigh in his spirit. He just took a deep sigh in because he knew their hearts weren't there to seek the truth and that they were just literally testing him. So we read here a similar passage, Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 32. Let's read through this. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, again, these are now Jesus' words, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign and no sign will be given to it except, once again, except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. Let's stop there for a second. So again, Jesus is before a large crowd. And as he's standing there, the only thing he left them with, and the same thing that he said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, he said, if you want a sign... He goes, I'm only going to talk about the prophet Jonah. So if you're not familiar, most of us are, but if you're not familiar with the story of Jonah, Jonah was a prophet of God, and God called upon Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go speak to the Ninevites and share the truth of who I am and have them repent of their sins so that they can change their lives around. Well, Jonah... He acted like we do sometimes. He's like, I want to tell them the truth. They're wicked, evil people, and I want them to be smoked. And, and God said, 
you're going. And so a storm comes up, Jonah's cast into the sea, and he's swallowed by a large fish or a whale, and he spends three days, three days. And then the whale or the fish spits him up on shore. And it says there, as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. When Jonah was cast up on the shore after spending three days in a fish, he was nasty. If we, if we look at that medically or historically and we look at it, he probably was bleached white from the acids of a fish. He looked nasty. And now he's coming to a Ninevite people and said, you need to repent. And they're like, okay, okay. We believe that Jonah is speaking to us from God. And yet, Jesus, the Son of God, he stood before all of them. And they continued to reject his message. They continued to not want to see the truth. The Ninevites, they actually repented. They turned from their sin, said, we're sorry, we don't want to live like that. And they followed the Lord for decades. And they totally changed their lives around. Let's continue to read here what the Lord says. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them where she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. You know, when Jesus was teaching and preaching, these people had an experience kind of like I did when I walked in on Carl's class. It's not what they expected. They didn't see the plan that God had outlined for them. And many of them had such hard hearts that at the end of it, they're not going to follow any miraculous sign that Jesus would show them. And I like the story when it talks about the queen of the south. It's the queen of Sheba who traveled literally, I believe it's like a 1,500-mile journey to go see Solomon. You know, the Bible tells us that Solomon was the wisest of all men. And so she was fascinated by the stories she heard. And when she traveled all this distance to go stand before King Solomon in all, her, in all his greatness that God had given him, she said, everything I heard was only half right because you are far more blessed by your God than even the stories that I was told. And so she traveled all this distance and people would come to stand before King Solomon because he was a wise man. But yet Jesus stood before the people and he taught and he brought children up and he held them and he healed people. He took their physical infirmities and he changed what no man on earth could do. And far greater than that, 
He turned people's lives around. And people found the Messiah. And they found him for who he was. And yet he's telling them, I'm here. And yet you don't see me. And someday, the Ninevites who were lost and an evil people, they're going to stand in a better position because they turned their lives around, repented of their sins, and they found me. When you are continuing to not see me for who I am. Let's go to the cross. Turn to Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. And actually, um, and I appreciate Jim. I sent Jim verses yesterday late because it was a holiday week and I was under the weather and had some other things going on. And he didn't get in until after midnight last night and still put our verses together, so I'm grateful for that. There's one that I... He doesn't have, I didn't give to him. So let me just read this to you. If we look at verse 33 and 34 together, I want to preface what we're going to read with this. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, I miss this sometimes. I read over it so quick. Don't miss this today. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So in the midst of Jesus being crucified on the cross and this crowd of people who had rejected him and these religious leaders who got so upset because God's plan was right before them, and they not only rejected him for him, they hated him for the truth. They hated him because it meant now their pockets wouldn't be as full. Their power wouldn't be as great. Their way of thinking is not going to happen. They had to, they didn't want to turn themselves over as we sang about, not I, but Christ through me. They wanted it to be about themselves. And when Christ's message rang through, they hated him for it. And here's the Savior, the same Jesus that stood before the crowds that would take someone's hand, pray with them, love them. And in the moment where people have done everything possible, they've turned against him and they've whipped him and they've beat him and they've crucified him. He says, Father, Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't know. They don't know. Let's go on with the passages here before us. Verses 39 through 43. Then one of the criminals who, who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Here's the two contrasts. This message is the same today 
as it was on that moment on the cross. It is exactly the same. Here's two choices. The thief who didn't see Jesus for who he was. And it's interesting. Even in the moment when he is facing certain death, and people would think, well, if I get to that point or if things happen and I start to realize that, surely at that point, I'm going to reach out to God. But this prisoner's life was full of sin. This criminal was so full of sin. His heart was so hard. You know what he did? He, he blasphemed against Jesus. Church, we are going to see more of these truths begin to happen in the end times. You know, if think of those who Jesus stood before and said, I'll only give you Jonah. And if they would have, with their eyes open, you know, we sang last week, I saw the light. If they'd have just said, Lord, I, I, I really want to see. If this is really you, I want to see it. And if they'd have saw that, they'd have looked at it completely different. That prisoner's heart was so hard, and it tells us in Revelation that in the days of judgment, which as Pastor Dallas has been sharing with us, the end of times are certainly approaching, we believe. In Revelation, it says that as these plagues are being poured out from heaven, and as fire is raining down, do you know what the majority of people are going to do? They're going to blaspheme God. Just like that thief on the cross who is ready to face eternity and he's saying, save us. If you're the Christ, save us. That's what the world's going to do. That's what the Bible tells us. In the midst of judgment, a penalty for sin, a price is being paid at this time for the thief and a price has already been paid for all eternity, but yet people will blaspheme our Savior. But what's the beautiful contrast to that? Let's go there. And as the other thief talked to him and said, you fool, we're all three dying. We're all three dying. And you choose to blaspheme a man who has done nothing wrong. Do you know, I think probably there was some insight from this thief to know that not only was Jesus completely innocent because they couldn't find anything. Even as Reverend Ernie read a little bit from Pilate today, Pilate would say over and over, I find no wrong in this man. Nobody could find any sin in him because he was perfect, because he was God's son in the flesh. And he said he hasn't done anything wrong. But I think he also realized, because his eyes were opened, Jesus could have changed all that. He could have stopped that time from happening on the cross at any point. He could have changed the hearts of the people that were condemning him. He could have called upon 10,000 angels to come down, and he could have just stopped the whole thing. And yes, that's probably what I would have done. But that wasn't his plan. God designed it. Jesus talked about it. He knew when he told them, I will only give you the prophet Jonah, that he knew that that meant he was going to die and he was going to shed his blood. 
for you, for me, for the thieves on the cross, for the thief who rejected him, and for this thief that we're going to read about who took a different approach. Verse 42, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Not how people thought, not how today sometimes how people would see Jesus. You know, how many people today might say to you in a conversation or think in their heart, oh, I'd believe in God if I could just see a miracle, if I could just see that he was real. God still does miracles all the time, all the time. One of my dear brothers who was serving us here today, he's a living miracle. At one point in his life, he was laying in the street in the middle of the night, covered in his own vomit, drunk and sick and lost. Jesus got a hold of him. He's a beautiful person with a great soul and a servant's heart. And he does more for the cause of Christ than most people I know today. He's a miracle because he can't do that on his own. He found Jesus. He found Jesus and everything's changed. Today, maybe it's not how you thought it would be. If you're watching today or you're here with us today, personally today, Maybe you're like, well, I, I just didn't, I don't, I don't think that's how Jesus would work or how he would come. Well, he did. He did. Over the years, so many people have sought to disprove God's word. And you can't. The evidence is real. And at the cross, our Savior bled and he died and he shed his blood because a penalty for sin had to be paid. And he loves you so much that he let that blood pour out so that you, just like that thief on the cross, could just have a moment, just a moment, where in your heart you called upon him and said, Lord, I believe I believe. Save me. Secure my soul for heaven. And experience the Jonah, the resurrecting power of Jesus. That's where he left it with those people. And you know what? I know that some people, thankfully, some people that stood before Jesus, even some of those that were against him, I'm sure the Lord recalled to their minds when, they, when the truth spread throughout the whole area. He is not here for he is risen. And they begin to think he told us all about what he was going to do. And he proved that he loved us more than anything on earth. Maybe today you've never experienced God's resurrection power. You've never accepted him as your savior. I'm sorry to say, if you haven't done that, you stand to face eternity as the thief who blasphemed Christ. Praise him if you'd come up as I finish here. 
if you're not for Christ, you're against him. Always remember that. If you haven't accepted him, you're against him. And that thief was lost. Maybe today, most of us in here today are believers. But maybe life just hasn't played out like you would have wanted it to. Or maybe you're just going through that season that we talked about earlier today. Or you're in a valley and life is so difficult and you're like, Lord, this is not how I would picture my life. It's not how I picture my walk with you. You know, I talked, talked to a dear lady this morning. She's a member of our church. And uh, her adult daughter passed away over this Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, I was talking with her this morning, and she's, she's just broken. She's broken. And I prayed with her and her dear husband, who I actually really like. He claims to be an atheist. He doesn't believe God, doesn't believe in God. And as, as I finished praying, thought in the midst of the worst tragedy that that family's ever experienced, how beautiful would that be if he found the Lord and he paused and he said, Lord, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Heal me and take my soul and I will follow you. Then that worst tragedy, that valley that you're going through in life, if it causes to draw closer to God, if you get to experience God in a deeper way, or if it leads you to the cross and you find Jesus, then I will tell you that tragedy might be the most wonderful thing that ever happened in your life. When people saw their Savior, those who knew Jesus for who he was and they saw him on the cross, they were experiencing the worst tragedy that they'd ever seen. We believed, we thought he was here to save us, and now he's dying. But yet, Jonah, Jonah, and Jesus rose again. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we're reminded that in our human flesh, in the hardness of our hearts, that things aren't always as they seem. But you designed our perfect plan from the day you created the world. You had a plan to send your only son into this world. And as he stood before men, just like we all are here together today, Jesus knew that he was going to die, but that he was going to rise again. And Lord, we celebrate that. And Lord, I pray that today, if someone here has not been able to see Jesus for who he is, that today you might open their eyes and that they might see the light and they might call upon your name. And Lord, that they might be redeemed and saved. 
Lord, if there's someone here today, they already know you. They've accepted you. They've called upon you. But their faith is tested. And they're hurting. And they're sad. And they're like, Lord, this isn't how I thought things would be. I pray that you'll remind them, Lord, of the cross. I pray that you'll remind them that you have plans that are bigger than ours. And Lord, I pray that you'll remind them that we're just here for a temporary time. That all of our life here leads us to eternity. I pray that they would be encouraged and that they would trust you and that they would hold on to you today. Lord, we pray together. I pray that if there's someone here, we'll have an altar call here in a moment. If someone's watching online and you're like, I have not seen Jesus for who he is. I've never, I've never done that. It's not a physical act. It's not, it's not seeing a miracle and then going, oh, that's the greatest thing ever. It's believing in your heart that Jesus loves you. So pray with me today. Lord, I believe. I call upon you. Please, Lord, just like the thief on the cross that found you, I call upon you and I ask you to save my soul so that I too might spend eternity in heaven with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross and you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you 
And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope knowing that Jesus is your Savior and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.